Welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, the weekly Star Wars podcast the sciencefictionarea.com. I'm Daniel Peoples, and joining me today are Marisha Gore. Hello. And as usual, sciencefictionarea.com editor-in-chief Andrew Gore. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. We can't wait to get into some of this stuff tonight. We don't have a lot of news, but we're going to talk about the John Favreau series and Mandalorians, and we're going to give our guesses on uh, an episode nine runtime. So let's jump right in, and um, we're going to start off with, we're going to jump right back to casting, and mostly because I can't remember if we brought this up last week, but one of the new characters that's been brought on board, and I think Daniel did mention this briefly last week. Richard Grant. Richard Grant. There, of course, is, you know, you just look at him, and then you look at the pictures of Thrawn, and you go, man, if they were casting Thrawn, he really wouldn't be a bad choice. But what are the odds of Thrawn showing up in episode nine? I think the odds are zero for this reason. The last time we saw Thrawn, he was being sent into hyperspace with Ezra. And we know we, we saw a shot that leads to believe that eventually we're going to get a series of Ahsoka and um, Sabine. Sabine, thank you. And Sabine's search for Ezra. So I think if you just all of a sudden pop Thrawn into a story, that's set 35 years later, depending on the time jump. Uh, I, I think that I think you'd have some explaining to do to to fans who are sort of stickers for continuity. Like mm-hmm. you would have to sit there and explain how Thrawn got back out of <laughs> hyperspace. Where has he been all this time? When you haven't shown us Anything. where what's happened right. to Ezra and Ezra and Thrawn's fate at this point, the last we knew was tied together. So if you're not going to reveal Ezra's fate to us, I don't think you can reveal Thrawn's yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, and I, I agree. I don't think there's any chance in the world that this is Thrawn. There are some scenarios where I wouldn't mind it being Thrawn. And then there's an article on the sciencefictionary.com. If you wanted to read a little more about my opinions on that, uh, you can find an ep- uh, you can find an article there. I wouldn't mind seeing, I've always wondered, just scenario, just contemplating, if Thrawn were to show back up, what side would Thrawn, like... His loyalty was to the, the emperor. emperor. And mm-hmm. you just kind of wonder, I've always kind of seen the First Order as a pretender to the throne. Empire light. The empire light. They want to be the empire, but they can't quite get it right. You know, in some ways they're more violent, more vicious. In some ways they're not as calculated. But, you know, I've always wondered if Thrawn showed back up, would he show back mm-hmm. up with any sort of loyal, anything resembling loyalty to the First Order, or would he only see them as a pretender? No, he's way smarter than all of them. Yeah, I, I think he would, I think he may have some uh, animosity towards the First Order. It would have been sort of like, why are y'all screwing this crap up, you bunch of idiots? Yeah. I, I think he's, I, I think he would have some disdain. That's what I was looking for. I could see Thrawn having some, some disdain for the way the First Order is going about doing things. Really? I think that would be an interesting aspect of that character if they did it that way. Yeah, because I would like to see him show up and, one, either try to, you know, a third faction created and, and him try to recreate the Empire in his image. Mm-hmm. Or, based on the books, you know, have you read the Thrawn novel, the first one? I haven't, and I keep saying I'm going to. Okay. I get caught up on other things. <laughs> I won't go too deep so into that, though. But based on that book, you know, we know his loyalties aren't. He's loyal to the emperor, 
but there's some other things going on. He does have some conflicting loyalties. He does because he's still definitely playing for the side of um, the Chiss. The the Chiss ascendancy. Well, and the other thing okay. about Thrawn, he you know he hails from the unknown regions, and he kind of keeps his own counsel about what he knows about what's going on. He may actually know things about Snoke. You know, he he's probably one of the the few people. Uh, in-universe who's in any kind of position to have any prior knowledge of Snoke before he shows up. And so while I think there's zero chance Thrawn shows up in this movie, just because there's too much story to tell already, to close it, to wrap this thing up in a neat package, if we're saying this is the the end of the Skywalker saga, that, that doesn't mean that's the end of all these characters, or even the First Order, but... It it uh, it is the end of this arc, and I just think there's too much story to tell without throwing somebody as big as Thrawn into the mix. I think they would have the same problem that they were saying that they were having when they started Episode Seven, that Han and Leia and Luke were dominating the story, and that's not what they wanted. They wanted Finn and Poe and Rey to dominate the story, and I think if they threw Thrawn in. There would be similar issues. Now, how would you feel about if we got down to the very end of the movie, everything is settled, the Skywalker saga has ended, and the Chiss Armada appears out of hyperspace? I'd be okay it with that. It launches us into a new era of Star Wars, and that's it. Now, we've never had Star Wars in that way, so I don't know if that's a good idea or not. But at the same time, I agree completely with, with what Daniel was saying as far as having Thrawn in, in this, it's you're sort of stepping on the toes of everybody who's waiting to hear the story of how Thrawn and Ezra get back. Right. Right. Unless they do. De- I mean, the new TV series will be airing right before episode nine comes out. Is that correct? So yeah. they could address well, it. There. We will have, by the time episode nine comes out, we will have had at least a season and a half of resistance the final season of Clone Wars, and at least part of a season of John Favreau's new series. And no telling how many, how much other media, you know, books, uh, maybe even another Thrawn. I, I would be surprised if there is another Thrawn book in the works. We're going to get another Thrawn book. I don't have any doubt about that. But, but just so. because Timothy Zahn is, enjoys writing that character too much. And I don't think that they want to turn him away as long as he wants to write that character. As long as they keep selling every time it hits the New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so. should have heard him at Dragon Con last year. Ever, they, we were in a panel that he was in, and they must have asked him 20 different ways if he was writing another Thrawn book. And he was like, <laughs> well, Disney really doesn't like information <laughs> to be shared. And if, right. when I have permission to tell you if I have written another, will write another Thrawn book, of course, he had obviously at least mostly written it by then, then yeah. I will let you, yeah, it was great. So I'm sure there will be another one. But uh, no, your idea about the chest showing up at the end, see, and, and I don't, like you said, we've never had a Star Wars in that way, and I don't expect us to. I, I don't But either. when, when Return of the Jedi came out, as far as we knew, that was going to be the end of the saga. George had always kind of vaguely had ideas and hints towards an episode seven. But the time by the time they finished episode six, he really didn't plan on making it, at least not anytime soon. 
when Revenge of the Sith ends, that told the story he intended to tell. The how Darth Vader came to be. The story was over. And we knew what was coming next because we already had four, five, and six. Just because, just since they're telling us this is the end of the Skywalker saga, I mean, you and I have had arguments about what that means before. We won't get into that again. But I just think because this is what they intend to be the end of the saga that began with episode one and continues through four, five, and six. I don't expect anything like that at the end of this movie. I think this movie ends with a finite ending, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they tie it up with a bow, whatever kind of you right. know, upswing. And, it, and it, it may end with a hint of something that just sort of tells us, that just sort of gives us an idea of where our characters are going, but it won't end with anything that's going to excite us for something next. Like I had hinted at next week, I, you know, it may end with, uh, with another, Ray on Jetta, another Ray on Jetta building it. So yeah, <laughs> right. Which is which is fine. Yeah, that's not a you know that that just sort of gives you an indication of what's going on in the universe without giving you something that you get excited about for another story. Right. It may just end with some indication that we know Ray is going to try to rebuild the order, and 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 we won't have to see that. So right. it'll be fine. No, and having the having the Chiss show up, even honestly, even having Thrawn show up in this movie. I think might be jarring to mm-hmm. some fans mm-hmm. who aren't, who don't read the books. Yeah. People wouldn't know what they were. So mm-hmm. no, I, I don't, and it doesn't even have to be the chess. I just, I don't expect this movie to end with any kind of cliffhanger or set up conflict. Yeah. Another movie. Right. I, I didn't put this on the list for this week, but I kind of feel like we should jump right on and talk about it real quick. Uh, just because you mentioned the name a minute ago. Um, is George Lucas. We talked about this a little bit last weekend uh, with the news that he is, at least in some capacity, advising on set for the new movie. Right. And uh, I think what I actually read was that he had consulted with J.J. on the script, maybe? I think I did see that. Which, I mean, for story points, that's fine. Um, You know, for plot elements, wonderful. Yes. Don't let him write any dialogue. Please, Other for the that, love of heaven. I'm happy. Yeah. No, yeah. and that that's why I wanted to talk about this, though, because sometimes a lot of Star Wars fans, including us, sometimes sound like we're just like completely hate George Lucas. And, you know, we should clarify that. And, and that's no, that, that's, that couldn't be further from the truth for any of us. Like, we all have great respect for what he's done because he's created this massive massive world and playground for for all this storytelling and mm-hmm. there aren't very many people who've created a sandbox this big that people no. can play in and create in and and andrew i know you and i both have dabbled in writing you have an art degree and we can both admit that george lucas is one of our biggest inspirations is is i wish i had that man's imagination Oh yeah, right. absolutely. He is, he's an absolutely. I will always. I don't think he writes very good dialogue. Oh well, so what? I mean, <laughs> right. If, if that's a very small thing. When the man can create this universe he's given us, that should be enough. That's most people in George's line of work spend their whole careers and never create anything like Star Wars. Uh, yeah. He's given us Star Wars. He gave us Indiana Jones. Uh, Mm -hmm. he didn't write that script, nor did he direct those movies, but that is his characters 
He wrote the story for Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, which is the best Indiana Jones movie still to date. He gave us Willow. Do not discount Willow. Willow is one of my all-time favorite. Oh, that's a definite underrated. Absolutely uh, one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies. Yeah. It's I love Willow. That world is brilliant, and we didn't get to explore enough of it. George has created some of the, the greatest things we've ever seen on film. I just right, as well as... He writes a very good love story or dialogue. <laughs> let him write the story. Yeah. Let him get your plot points. Don't let him write dialogue. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a fantastic big picture storyteller. Yeah. And he is... He has done as much or more for the advancement of technology and cinema than anybody. You know, the things he did for sound production alone for... Uh, for the original three movies is is incredible. In fact, when you talk about George Lucas's empire that Disney purchased, you know, the the big thing that they got was ILM, Skywalker Sound, and THX. You know, as far as putting, as far as making money, the, you know, <laughs> because those companies make movies for everybody. And of course, they bought Pixar years ago. Yeah. So, from George, from Lucasfilm. Really? I didn't realize that. They had not put out a film yet, but the technology was all there. John Lasseter was there already oh, okay. uh, when Lucasfilm owned it, when Disney bought it. But yeah, no, I'm with you. The man is a brilliant storyteller. And I think the more collaborative he is, the better, the more he shines. Does that make sense? Right. And that's that's been some of the stories you hear about the latter years of him controlling Lucasfilm was that he had no one around to tell him no, so he kept coming up with these these crazy things that actually some people in Lucasfilm would just end up ignoring because they were too stupid to put into whatever they were working on. If we ever sound like we're not fans of George Lucas, we're all huge, huge fans of George Lucas. All right, well, another thing I'm going to try to look up, I, I'm not going to get too deep into the controversy part of this uh, next topic because I just don't care to talk about the controversy. But I did think I would mention it just to kind of segue us into uh, our next talking point. Our next talking point about the about Star Wars villains. Have y'all seen any of the stuff going on with what E.K. Johnston said this week and the fallout from it? I heard about um, it. My husband talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, when you and I talked about it earlier, it was the first time I'd heard about it. I've... Uh, I had not actually seen it. I don't follow her or anything, so I just kind of missed it. Okay, so basically, all right, so I'm going to read a short... Did y'all read any of the statements that led to any of this? All right, I'm going to read part of the statement for y'all. So this is a statement made at some point recently by E.K. Johnston. If you don't know who E.K. Johnston is, E.K. Johnston is the writer of the Ahsoka novel and is currently writing a Padme novel. So the following is a statement from her. And it says, I saw a girl strapped to a chair and I heard a guy say, you know, I can take whatever I want. And then worse, I heard him say, don't worry. I feel it too. And it wasn't super gross and it sure as hell wasn't sexy. It was barely even sexualized. It was this casual, brutal, cold villainy. And more importantly, it was a violation. Rape is not the same as sex. It's not limited to sex, especially in a genre that thrives on metaphor and allegory. And what Ren did to Poe and Ray before she metaphorically kicked him in the balls was rape. He went into her dreams before she drove him out. Poe screamed in pain, and when Ren left him, he was unconscious. 
And I'm going to stop there because that really gets to the gist of what people freaked out about. And I don't fault the, the writer at all for those feelings, mm-hmm. but we are, I do, I do see that it's a, it's a very valid point. He's, he's taking something from them that is theirs. He's prying in and people tried to compare it to, you know, Vader sensing Obi-Wan on the uh, Death Star, on the first Death Star or Vader <clears throat> recognizing Luke's thoughts when he thinks about his sister, you know, things like that. And it's really different because Kylo is, they're, they're sensing the feelings that others are giving off where Kylo is prying into their consciousness. Right. You're making the point I was just going to make. So it, it is violent. And, you know, and I, I'm shocked at the number of people that have, uh, have really gotten upset with her for saying that and have come out this week trying to protect Kylo Ren while at the same time heralding him as this great villain. It's like, it's okay that the villain is bad. Right. The the fact that he did that is one of the things that makes him such a great (laughs) villain. Right. And if you're out there calling for a writer's head for giving an opinion on a character that they don't even have anything to do with, just stop. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, And you do see your point. You know, it is taking forcefully from someone something they don't want to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the first time it's ever been done in film. No. Uh, but like we said, it is the fact that he did that is one of the, that's he's, he's the bad guy. Right. You know, when I saw somebody, I don't even remember who it was. I saw somebody on Twitter that said, well, if you say to a Darth Vader fan, you know, he killed children, you know, he's evil. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader fans would say, yeah, yeah, he is. (laughs) But, you know, so why when people say, well, you know, he's, you know, Kylo Ren is an abuser, the people go, no, no, no. Yeah. Why are you mad that the villain did (laughs) something evil? Right. We want our villains to be evil. Well, and, you know, kind of along the lines of what I said last week, that I, I hope that they don't ever make them a thing romantically. Because yep. I have daughters, you know, yeah. and and they have they have a right to their feelings to their person to you know, and I, I think that to get offended about suggesting that it's wrong to violate someone in such a personal way, you know, to to suggest that 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 doesn't make that person abusive is really really scary. Uh, never mind. Right. That's not you can you can cut that out. It was no, not I, I, no. It's a, that's <laughs> well, we that's all, all very valid. Right. We all know what you're getting at. If if they ever ship, which is the term now, right? If they ever ship Ray and Kylo, are you saying to little girls it's okay to let a man just yes. take what he wants from whether you want to give it or not? Like yes. as long as you have this unexplainable okay. as long as you have this unexplainable connection to him. Then, then it's okay that he's done whatever he's done to you. And that's how we, right. that's how women get in relationships with abusive men because they're like, but he's my soulmate. I'm sorry, honey, your soulmate don't treat you that way. And I really exactly. don't want Star Wars to tell my daughters that their soulmate treats them that way. And of course, you know, we can get into a whole other subject about if he somehow is redeemable first. That's a pretty big, I don't know. No, we had that discussion last made, week. You made a really good point but, last week completely on the fly and I, I I think I pretty much agree with you on it 
um, that in in some ways he is more evil than Darth Vader. He's Vader, even at his worst. Vader's conflicted. Was still conflicted. Moment, yes, from the moment, and and you know we keep bringing up him going in the temple and killing the children. The next scene you see him, he's standing on the balcony of that temple in tears. Yeah. He's conflicted from the moment he cuts Megs Windu's hand off. He's conflicted for the next 20 years until the moment he throws Palpatine off of that balcony. Yeah. Kylo keeps making these choices for no other reason than just that he, it, it just for dark side reasons, just for evil reasons. He either wants more power or he's trying to get something he wants it, it, it every decision he makes is an evil. Selfish yeah, it, it all comes from greed and, and lust for power. Mm-hmm. And, and you still see it in the comics. There's Charles, Charles. So we'll talk about the comics in a little while, but he's doing such a great job showing us the conflict invader mm-hmm. every week. And it, it, he does some evil things, but he's that character is just portrayed differently. He's conflicted from the moment he decides to turn. Kylo keeps making decisions that push him deeper into the dark side of his own volition. Mm-hmm. He is also conflicted, but he makes he he makes vile decisions solely every time to he has a choice. Quiet his conflict. Turn in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So from from there, just since we kind of got on the topic of villains and. And what we want to see in villains, I thought we might talk about our top five. And I, I've got movie villains here. We can do others. If you've got one, you just feel like you really need to add in there. But uh, let's let's do our top five movie villains. And uh, maybe we can do another episode and do our, our villains, favorite villains from other material. So let's just jump right in. Everybody, my one and two is real hard for me. Um, oh really? Those are my easiest. That's I, so obvious. It, it is, I think, but it, it, it's there's a there's two villains there at the top for me that that I kind of sometimes waffle back and forth on. But Daniel, I'll let you go ahead with your number one. Number one is Emperor Sheev Palpatine. Yeah. This this man is through and through one hundred percent dark side villain. He's a master manipulator. He's an extremely powerful force user. He learned from his master how to create life. And let's not misinterpret anything we saw in Revenge of the Sith. He basically sat there and told Anakin he created him by manipulating midichlorians. That's what happened. Um, he's, it's, it, but it's the manipulation part of it. That is, he's a, he for 10, 15 years manipulated the, the Jedi Council and the Senate right under their noses into orchestrating every single necessary event Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that needed to take place for him to seize power. Yeah, no, that's my my number one. I don't know if there's any other movie villain in any, in any movie that has ever given us the level of deceit that we get from Palpatine. He's, He's brilliant. And it's where you contrast him and Vader, where we like Vader because of the conflict, mm-hmm. right? Because he's he's torn. He he's this shattered 
individual where Palpatine is very much the snake in the garden. Oh, yeah. You know, he You're putting this all much more eloquently than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I mean, he is. Hey, that's He's... my line. But now, I mean, he, he is. I mean, he plays the role of Satan in those films. I mean, he's the one always there whispering the right thing in everybody's ear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just, he's not just manipulating the the good guys or the, you know, he, he's manipulating everybody. Yep. You know, he owns the, the And then you look at it, I mean, because you go back to the point where you see, you eventually realize that we've, Going through the first, almost the entire first two movies, or really, I guess, all the way through the first. At what point does uh, Padme decide that maybe in the ep- in episode three that she decides that maybe the Separatists are right? She at yeah. least is willing to entertain three. it. Yeah, yeah. It was the it was the moment in the Senate. I think the line was, "This is how democracy dies with thunderous applause." Yeah. It was the moment Palpatine sees power, where even she realized that, "Oh my God, Palpatine's evil." It took that long for anybody to realize it. Right. Man, and the kids were watching episode one in the car. I I experienced a lot of Star Wars these mo- movies these days, listening to them while my kids watch them in the back seat. And I was struck at the very beginning of episode one. The man sends an invasion force to his own home, to the city where he has lived his entire life, to kill people. To subject them. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, of all the places, you know, I mean, even your most, even Hitler, you know, he's all about Germany. I mean, Palpatine's ready to, if if he's Hitler, he's burning Germany to the ground to get himself to the the top. I mean, that's that's a special kind of wicked to be more vile than Hitler. (laughs) In a way. And he, um, that Andrew just brought the separatists, he manipulated them too. Mm-hmm. He orchestrated that entire war. The separatists were answering mm-hmm. to Darth Sidious, not realizing he was Chancellor Palpatine. Right. He was literally the head of both sides of the conflict. Mm-hmm. You need to create the conflict to seize the power. Marisha, where do you have Palpatine on your list? I think I have to put Darth Vader at the top. All right. Okay. We can go with that. Um, I, I'll say I've got... I was really torn on the two in my final list. I do have Palpatine at two, and I have Darth Vader at number one as well. Okay. Um, I'm going to let y'all go first here. Explain why Vader's one. Okay. Man, he's so iconic with that cape and that bum, 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 bum. I mean, like, whenever you're a kid, like, especially as a kid watching Star Wars, the Emperor, he's a little more aloof. But, man, like, my first memories of Star Wars, I mean, Darth Vader is a scary, scary dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he, he's he's terrifying. I mean, he's he's got horror movie written all over him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, he's he's the boogeyman. He's Jason Voorhees with a lightsaber. Yeah. I mean, he's the boogeyman. Yes. Straight up. And I, I've always, and just going back to the, just... From four, five, and six. Even in, in in those movies, when he's not there a lot, he's he looms. His presence he just does. looms over the whole thing. I mean, even what that that whole season of Rebels where he shows up like once. I mean, he's still he he his shadow is just cast over everything. And then throwing in the new one, you know, Rogue One, mm-hmm. and and that's seeing his best, yeah, that's his best single moment. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. 
And that's where... Well, that's, that's the moment where we finally understand why everybody has always been terrified of this mysterious figure. Because really, yeah. for the first big chunk of the of the empire of the time that the empire was in in power he's this shadowy figure mm-hmm. and nobody really knows who he is and he he's almost like this myth you know mm-hmm. and he just he shows up and he subjugates entire soul you know entire entire solar systems yeah i think in rogue one we finally got to see him deliver on being as scary as we all thought he was when we were eight yeah that's kind of how oh, i felt sure. about it for sure which is why that why that moment is is so great, and why everybody just lost it at that moment in the theater. Yeah, I have I have honest to God turned that movie on Netflix and fast forwarded it <laughs> for two hours and fifteen minutes until I get to that point. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the time marker is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll fast forward it to the moment that that lightsaber starts to cut through that door. Well, you get it's just dark. And then, and then that red glow, and of course that yep. poor guy that he, you know, slams up to the ceiling, and then just drags him along with him as he goes. Yeah, it's some, like he almost forgot he was there and just backhanded him in half. Yeah. Somebody pointed out that all of the the lights on his his chest plate are actually off at the beginning of that scene. You know, because because generally that it like so the only thing so it's like that lightsaber comes on mm-hmm. and that's like the menace. It's, so, like, I mean, how, how committed do you have to be to being scary to, like, turn off your life support for long enough to get your lightsaber ignited where it's the first thing everybody sees? When the, Yeah, when that lightsaber came on, I freaked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it was great. Wonderful. I love that movie anyway, yeah. but another conversation. <laughs> okay, so, so... Anyway, then... So, number three, because we've all established well, we've got... No, well, Daniel, D- Daniel didn't confirm. Did you? Is, oh. Do you have the Emperor in your number two? Marisha? Uh-huh. Daniel, do you, who do you have at your number two? My number two is Vader. Okay. And you know, I thought that went without saying. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure I need to say anything else about it. I mean, he, yeah, no. This is honestly, as far as my favorite Star Wars characters, he and Luke are on 1A and 1B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just, we've said everything we need to say about both those characters. That's mm-hmm. my one and two, Palpatine and Vader. And I think either one of us could flip-flop those two and satisfied yeah. with our choice oh okay yeah for that. sure yeah. i i'm i like i said i was torn with those two and i i feel like they're so interconnected mm-hmm. that right. it, it's hard to i and i'll go ahead and say my number three is kylo ren and you know i posted on twitter the other day that kylo ren is at best the second best villain in star wars and that's if vader and palpatine both occupy the number one spot right i agree with you there also i think uh but see, one and two are easy for me. Three, four, and five are really hard. Three, four, and five really are hard. Mm-hmm. Well, I Vader and Palpatine occupy three. the villain spot, the big villain spot of so much of the story. Yeah, they just, I guess Kylo Ren's my number three. Like, okay, sure, I'll put him there. <laughs> I'm not real confident in any of my next three choices. I I've got take. Kylo Ren at my number three because, and I, for the, the, the few things that I didn't like about The Last Jedi, I really did feel like, as a villain, he really comes into his own mm-hmm. in that movie. Like, yeah, and there, he's, a, he's a different character 
than the first two we named. He's much more, as Marisha pointed out last week, he's much more driven by his emotion mm-hmm. than than it. I think the most emotional we ever saw Vader was the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yes. No, we get. Uh, in the Skywalker line, you know, we, we get that emotion. You know, we see Vader act or Anakin act out of pure emotion. We see Luke act out of pure emotion. Yes, we do. But Kylo's with Kylo is more than that. It's not just acting. It's, it's complete impulsiveness. He never turns it off. Insanity. Insanity. And he's pretty much, you know, last few minutes of, Revenge of the Sith, Anakin, for the whole, and that's who Kylo is. He's just that unhinged, mm-hmm. um, kind of out of his mind. Yeah, yeah he's, he's is, driven 100% by his emotions. That's mm-hmm. it. There's no forethought to anything. Right. He's never thought out a move not 10 seconds beforehand. It, it's all purely... Even the moment where he kills Snoke, like I said, he saw a moment to seize power, but you know what? He never thought about it before. Uh, he didn't sit right. there and plan it out. Yeah. There was no... Was, did he hate Snoke? Yeah. I kind of think in a way, Kylo hates everybody. Yeah. It's all a moment to do away with him and seize power. And it is... The more I'm talking about, the more confident I am in that he's my number three, actually. Because he is just... I mean, that that is pure dark side motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's one That's, of those that he he's incapable of taking responsibility. Yep. It's he's always willing to point the finger and at somebody else mm-hmm. that he's the way he is. It's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's Snoke's. It's somebody's fault. Right. All no, right. I'm, I'm with you. I've got Kylo Ren at three okay. too. And I'm 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 pretty confident on that. You know, and th- those are our big three villains, uh, other than Snoke. And honestly, Snoke does not make my top five. He just. Snow don't make my top five either. That is the most disappointing character in yes. the history of Star Wars. Yes. I would say even more disappointing than Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because Boba Fett, yeah. like we know, like, you know, Han's terrified of him. Like we know mm-hmm. that he's, you know, a re- the real deal. We just don't get to see him do anything but fall in a hole. Right. No, but he does pull off. He does pull off capturing Han Solo. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, and despite however it may happen, he's but Boba Fett really Boba Fett's a whole nother issue to me because Boba Fett was never hyped up <laughs> to be the, the next big thing out the way Snoke was. Yeah, right. Boba Fett became popular because us ravenous Star Wars fans, <laughs> and I say us, it was nineteen eighty when the film came out. I wasn't one of them. I was like zero years old. <laughs> But, you know, we saw this awesome guy with a, you know, a jetpack and a rocket on his back. You know, it's, you know, he he was just... The only reason anybody knew his name was because it was on the toy. Yeah. No, he says, Boba Fett, where? That was Return of the the Jedi. Oh, you're right. You're right. That was Return of the Jedi. Yeah, in Empire, we don't even know his name, you know, his name other than the fact that it showed up on some of the toys and stuff. Well, he showed up in the the holiday special, right? But, you know, he's the one that the first time we see him, we see Darth Vader make sure he turns to Boba Fett and says no disintegrations. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, Boba Fett's. But I have trouble lumping like Boba Fett. 
I, I don't really lump him in necessarily in the pure villain role because that's not the role he fills. He, he's he's a mercenary. He's in it for the money. He's not he's not doing it because he's evil. Well, he is a little bit though. But we don't know. Like that's that's a story that hasn't really been totally told yet. Of course, in the new canon, like we just don't have a lot of his story told, and he's definitely a bad guy. I mean, he's definitely always fits squarely in the bad guy category. But his motivations are different. Yeah, I didn't put Boba Fett on my list either because I guess just subconsciously I never thought of him as villainous. He was just sort of... There. Yeah. He's there for the Cool character, but... Yeah. Yeah. So what's your number three, Daniel? No, his number three was Kylo Ren. Number four. We're all on our number four. What's your number four, Daniel? we had Kylo Ren three, right? Okay. Yeah. Number four. Okay, so this list is just movie villains, but can I include... Stuff that happened outside the movies sure. to make my decision. Yeah. Hmm. Then I think number four is General Grievous. Um, what we saw with Grievous in the movies, uh, you, it's, our, it's implicit in the films that he's sort of a Jedi hunter. He gets his kicks off killing Jedis. He's got that collection of lightsabers. He yeah. wants to add it. He wants to his. You get more of his backstory. That actually in the what is now non-canon original original Clone Wars series, right? Uh, which I loved. Yeah, though you talk about the Cartoon Network. Yes, uh, the, by the same people that do Samurai Jack. Right. You get more of his backstory in that, which you can tell that t- George, which you can George was involved in that television series. Uh, you can tell when he wrote Revenge of the Sith when we first see Junger was on film that he had that background story in mind because you get the entire background of how he became this cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think there are probably people out there today who think General Grievous was a droid. Yeah, no, there's I think, I think there's, yeah. I think there may be as many people that believe that as, as don't. You know, he is a cyborg. He has a human right. brain. Those are actually still his human eyes. Right. In this mechanical body. Hmm. Uh, and his his backstory, which it, we don't have time to really go into for what we're trying to do here, uh, the reason he hates Jedi and hunts them, and the reason he works for he's he's on the side of the separatists in this in this war really is for the chance to he gets to battle the Jedi. He hates them, and uh, by his judging by his lightsaber collection, he's pretty darn good at it. I do, I do like General Grievous, and I, I like him more than some of the villains we saw just in film. Because of the backstory we get from, and I know I'm taking a story that's not even canon anymore, yeah. but I still think some levels that it is. For the purposes of his backstory, it is, because everything we saw in that Clone Wars show is consistent is with implicit, that. It's implicit in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Yeah, so, no, until they, re, until they write that story, I would absolutely consider those things to be canon on a character like as Grievous. far as we know yeah as far as we know that's Grievous's backstory and and, uh, and i love i love his motivations i just i don't know what else, what else to say that's that's yeah. that's my number four okay but yeah taking uh taking other sources on number four and five to flesh out your character is definitely fair because these are the the characters that we have second tier villains we didn't see them as much as the first three we just mentioned right, right. so my number four, I have Grand Moff Tarkin. And I have Tarkin also based on, even though I loved the character, I've always loved that character. He's just cold and calculated. 
Mm-hmm. And he's not afraid to put Vader in his place. Mm-hmm. And when we saw him be particularly vile again in Rogue One. Yeah. I mean, but he's, Krennic is, is, is a terrible person, but man, Tarkin, he's just a whole nother level of terrible yeah. person. Right. Krennic don't hold a candle to Tarkin. No. And, and Tarkin, in some ways, you know, he's the, the brilliant. You go into the book. I love the Tarkin book. If you haven't read it, you should. Uh, it's a pretty quick read. But, I mean, he's, he's a brilliant military strategist. In some ways, my favorite villain... My favorite villain outside of the movies is Thrawn. Oh, he's very... Uh, and, yeah. and Tarkin is very much a... Ref, you know, kind of the same... In the same mold. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just well, such, you, a, a, such a calculated character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in that way, he's different than... You know, his, his motivations are different than the Emperor's. And he's... You know, if, if Vader is the Emperor's right hand, Tarkin is his left. And he he serves to rein in Vader's, you know, just over emotional response. He kind of tempers him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You've you mentioned the book, the Tarkin book, and I've mentioned the comic books before. He is he's just a fantastic character, and in the hands of the right writers, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's he's brilliant. It's it's he has become, like I said, in the hands of uh, of the proper writers, he's become one of the most well-developed characters in the Star Wars canon. So I, um, I also have kind of a, a soft spot for Tarkin. The more, like I said, that I didn't always, but the more I've, the more he shows up in a comic book, the more I like him. Mm-hmm. Well, my number four is Jabba. Cause man, that guy's creepy. <laughs> Again, eight year old me was really bothered by Jabba. Well, I'll go ahead and throw this in there then. My number five is Jabba. Um, <laughs> so we can go ahead and, and talk about Jabba. Why is Jabba your number four? Man, he's just the worst. <laughs> I mean, he's got Princess Leia, and he's just, man, like I said, eight-year-old me just thought he was the nastiest thing ever. <laughs> well. And, I mean, he's he's... The thing is, he doesn't just, like, have the the awful sort of appearance. He's, like, just... I mean, who, who just, like, drops people down to be eaten by a rancor just because I'm in the mood to? I mean, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> like, sadistic. vile. That's really sadistic. That's really, yeah, I've, really I've vile. Got him, I've got him as my number five because he's not an imperial. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's one of, he's probably our biggest villain that's on his own team. You know, he yeah. he's out for himself. He's mm-hmm. you know, the the god at the time of the movies as far as we know, he is, you know, the godfather of crime in the galaxy. Right. Yep. Oh, and that nasty tongue. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I <laughs> I want to amend my list. Okay. All right. Because uh, I think Jabba's limited at my number five, too, now that we're, yeah. I will say this in Jabba's defense, though. And never mind, I'm not going to say that because you'll have to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, for all the reasons y'all just stated, I think Jabba makes my number five. Jabba's and I had Darth Maul there, but that's based on so much of the clone. That's based yeah. on nothing we saw in Phantom Menace. I, I, so, had a, I had a hard time not putting Maul on that list. Man, as far as what Filoni has done with that character, that character mm-hmm. is is incredible. 
And yeah, I, so, I have so a role. different character than we saw in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Way much more depth to him than we saw in Phantom Menace. Right. But uh, I think I think Jam- I think Jabba supplants him. Y'all convinced me. He's <laughs> he's just mean. Yep. He is. So That's true. All right, Marisha, you're the only one with something left. You're number five. Oh uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up that uh, Darth Maul that that Daniel just okay. cast aside because man, he's so cool. This cool lightsaber fight. Uh, yeah. I just. Well, he was a, he was a great character in the, in Phantom even in Phantom Menace yes. we just didn't get enough of him. Yes, I mean he was just like this. Nothing this, about him. Well, kind of like Vader, you know, kind of that kind of ominous, brooding, scary person. Does uh, Daniel? No, do you know sure. at, at what point they decided to use a different voice than Ray Parks? Pretty early in the production, I think. Okay, they, they never. Ray Park was a stunt man right at that point yep. that was his first ever um actual build on-screen performance hmm. uh he george needed a martial artist to pull off the lightsaber stuff he wanted to do was actually ray park's suggestion to use the baton type lightsaber uh george wanted to give him a regular size hilt but double-bladed and Ray, being the martial artist he is, had to tell George, I can do a, if you want something double-sided, if you'll give me a three-foot hilt right. to be mm-hmm. able to hold on to, I can do a lot cooler crap. Right, because, I mean, that's his weapon. You know, that, that yeah, staff was, is his weapon. That was, Ray, Ray was a, like I said, a professional stunt double and fight choreographer. In Hollywood, that's, where, that's what he had made his living doing mm-hmm. um, to the point that George was actually, you know what? There aren't many lines for this character anyway. Just, right. just play the part. We'll put you in the makeup. Just play the part. Pretty sure, much like, much like David Prowse, I don't think George ever intended to use Ray's uh, voice performance for that movie. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, though, it it is Ray's complete performance in Solo. Correct? No, I'm pretty that sure Sam Whitworth. Sam Whitworth did the voice. In that was Solo. Sam Whitworth. Yeah. Okay, and I'm and I'm cool with that. I am that too. At we've this... never heard Ray's voice as that character. We've heard sounds before. Sam did it for uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh, uh, and Rebels. So that, that makes sense. I'm cool. with I that. mean, at this point, he's voiced that character far more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, as far as I'm concerned, he is the voice of that character. Yeah. Right. And uh, and, and and Ray is the body and the face. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm I'm cool with all that. Who so. voiced Maul in the original? Was uh, it Peter Serfanowitz? I think so, but I'm not certain about that. But yeah, oh man, Darth Maul. So, I mean, now the speaking of scenes that we fast forward through the whole movie to watch, I have been known to skip to the lightsaber duel at the end of the first movie just to watch it because it's just the you know the duel of the fates there. All right, so. That gets us to the bottom of our list real quick before we move on, because we actually talked about that for a lot longer than I thought we would. There's and, a shot. <laughs> um, so we need to, I, I said we everybody could throw in their favorite villain from any other material. You already did yours. And I already did mine. Right, right. yours is Thrawn, correct? Correct. My, my two are close. Really, I got to give an honorable mention to Tarkin, which we already talked about, I won't talk about him again, even though he's not, you know, that's still movie villains. I've got an honorable mention, it's Tarkin. We already talked about him. Right. My, from any other material villain, 
is pretty close between Thrawn and Ventress, but I'm giving the edge to Ventress. Mm. Yeah, she's pretty Just, great. Ventress is fantastic. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. and I don't know what y'all are going to say or think about me when I say this, but something about sadistic women just (laughs) (laughs) oh dear don't take that the wrong way when i Uh, say it huh oh but no i i love that character that is i I said before that i think ahsoka is the best character we got out of any of our animated series yeah i think ventress belongs in the discussion Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i still stand by my ahsoka statement but Ventress is so much better than Dooku. Oh, That's absolutely. the thing, though. In the animated series, I didn't really like Dooku, but Dooku had, in, in the movies, he's an interesting character. I didn't put him on my list for villains, but I, he's an interesting character because while he has he is serving Sidious, he really believes that he's fighting on the right side, the side of good. Yeah, which well, is ironic his, for us. His mistake, though, is trusting Sidious right up to the end. You know all the things he says about the what the Jedi have become. I mean, he's the he's he's not the one wrong. that tells us exactly what the problem with the Jedi Order at that time is. Yep, he sees the problems, but he's he doesn't know he's being manipulated and used. Right, but Marisha's right though. Ventress is still a cooler character than he is. I'll give you that. So that's that is my favorite non-film villain that's been introduced okay. is Ventress. Not character. There's some characters in the comics that have been introduced that I like a lot. But as far as villains go, Ventress is that that one's not even hard for me. Okay. Marisha? I think I have to say Thrawn too. Probably although I and I have watched Clone Wars, but like most of the the only two Star Wars novels that I have read recently are both Thrawn books. So it's kinda of hard not to put Thrawn there because I mean you know, he's like, he, he he's a soldier. You know, he's going to fight on the side that he picks, come hell or high water. But mm-hmm. he's not, he, he's calculated, but he's not selfish. You know, and he, he cares about his people. He cares about, you know, he cares about the outcome. So he's, he's just fascinating. I've, I've enjoyed my, uh, my soiree into Thrawn's methodical yeah, Thrawn, mind. Yeah, Thrawn is on, on the side of order. You know, if, if, if Kylo Ren is chaos, then Thrawn is order. Yes, and I think he would hate Kylo Ren <laughs> so much. Yeah, the, I still haven't read the Anakin and Thrawn book yet, but I can just imagine. I don't imagine he's uh, very impressed with Anakin either, with his <laughs> hot-headedness. I should really, the book, I finally finished it. The book was really good. It's it's um. I'm going to start reading it this weekend. It's kind of got some things... There are some things that I can't quite decide how I feel about it. Um, like some of it is kind of point of view from Vader, which is um, my my brother in law. My brother in law and I were talking about it, and um, he's th- he's not quite as menacing if if you're kind of giving what he's thinking. You know, Vader isn't quite as menacing if you're kind of giving his thought process. But the book, I really enjoyed the book. The book was great. Well, Read wait it. a minute, and if this is a spoiler. Then just avoid the question, but. Do we see this book go into the Vader years, or it's all just it jumps back and him forth? And Anakin. It it jumps back and forth between the Clone Wars era and yeah. right after the, the Bindu. Era? Yeah, the Rebellion era. Okay. So like every, you know, it just it, it goes back and forth the whole book. Just it, it, I mean, it starts with the you know the prologue, 
Well, I didn't read the first Thrawn novel neither, so did they not have any interactions in the first Thrawn novel? No. No, no the, the first Thrawn novel basically covered... Did you read the Thrawn, the Thrawn comic book? That six, set of six? I didn't, and I'm not okay. sure if they're an adaptation of that first Thrawn novel They are. Or not. They, they are. They're, an, they're an adaptation of the novel. Okay. All right, so let's move on from villains, and let's go... I'm going to skip that question about the uh what movies next after nine and let's jump right on into this news about the john favreau series uh we got some news or at least it's not really news i guess it's all speculation at this point rumors i don't know where they're coming from but at the beginning of the week they announced or there was rumors about a what daniel 100 million dollar budget for 10 episodes right. a lot yeah of 10 money. episodes 10 million a piece yeah and then Today or yesterday, one an article dropped that indicated it might be closer to 150. It's a lot of money, right? You you got to put it in perspective. If you spent 200 million on 200 to 250 on Rogue One for two hours worth of film, spend 150 million on 10 hours worth of film is That's sounds true. like a bargain. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're but able we, to we maintain the quality. It. Well, we did we did talk too though about the fact that it seems like a lot of money to invest in a streaming service where your entire revenue is based on the number of subscribers. I'm gonna be you know, subscribing to said streaming service to watch this show. How about you? Right, and that's what they're that's what they're betting on. Right. Especially so, if it's cheap. Especially if it's less than ten dollars a month. Well, right now the indications they've said that. Um, at least the, the early reports I've seen said that it'll be less than Netflix. What's Netflix currently like $11 a month? I think I think so. Some, somewhere in that neighborhood just for the streaming. I don't know. I have Netflix. I don't remember how much it is. It just comes out. Or do it auto drafts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's $11, but you know, like I said, if it's, if it's not going to, if it's just going to be a couple of dollars a month, you know, it's not like you can go buy it on Voodoo if you want to watch it. This is the way to watch it. So, yeah. So, here's the question I have, because some of the streaming services aren't real good about this stuff. I want to know if, once this is out and has been out for a little while, if they will ever put it, on if they DVD. will ever sell it mm -hmm. on, on physical media or digital media. I think so. I think um, Hulu has, you can buy Hulu productions on other platforms. I don't think you can do that with Netflix productions. Maybe no, a lot Amazon. of the Netflix productions never make it to DVD. No. Or, or digital media. No, but like you can buy like, I don't know if you can buy hard copies, but you can definitely buy like um, Handmaid's Tale on Vudu. Digital. Yeah. Yeah, on digital. Yeah, Hulu's real good about, you can buy their stuff on a lot of digital platforms like Vudu. So we'll see. hopefully, because that's the other thing about Star Wars fans is, I just I don't I don't I don't know of another streaming series with a budget this big, and I understand people are sitting there at home going, well, the amount of money you spend to make a movie is depending on how many people go to see it. It'll be kind of the same thing. Well, it is, but movies right. lose money all the time. Right. Um, with television, budgets that big, at least if it's on a network, if the first episode gets enough viewers. You raise the rate on your advertising and you can recoup your money until you, you know what I mean? Right. The amount of money you can make on a show 
is dependent on advertisers and advertisers will spend more for to advertise in the middle of a program that makes more ratings with streaming service it is strictly if it's strictly how many subscribers you get and are you really are you going to be able to which well i guess that kind of works so if word of mouth gets out if that show is really good and word of mouth gets out about it people will subscribe to it later to see that show i mean yeah. it seems so, to be working for cbs they just ordered another season of um Oh, that show that I didn't like. Yeah, but I don't know what kind of budget they've got on that show. Yeah, that's true. But even so, I mean, that was kind of their their gimmick was that you can only get it on this platform. Which we I don't want to guess what show y'all are talking about. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yes. I figured. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only the only other streaming thing <laughs> like there's this there's really nothing else on a streaming platform with a budget like this other than this Tolkien series that Amazon's working on. I really want that to be good. (laughs) I've been trying to, I was kind of trying to look at that. Currently their budget is listed at $1 billion. That's a lot of money. What? $1 billion. They've agreed to produce five seasons. Yep. That's for five seasons now. Oh, five seasons. Okay. Cause I did read the first two were going to be at, you know, the, the, 250 million they are except that the other part of that budget that wasn't mentioned in that did you see how much they paid yeah, to acquire the they paid another made. quarter another quarter billion just for the rights well it, i'm gonna tell you we know zero about that show i can already tell you i have amazon prime anyway yeah which i'm hoping that's going to be what gets me that show if it's whatever else they want me to pay for that show i'm paying it <laughs> yeah no it's it's supposed to be amazon prime should be good on that. That's them just trying to to kick back up their numbers on their prime memberships. But that's right. a massive budget. I think Game of Thrones really kind of changed the way that people spend well, money on TV shows. Right, but because took- Game of Thrones proved that you can tell these that that TV in some ways is a better platform for st- long format yeah. storytelling than movies. Yeah. And I'll tell you is, right now, they still left so much crap out of Game of Thrones that's unreal. Mm-hmm. There's no way that there there's no way those books make a good movie. Because look, I mean, you get ten hours of television a season, you still can't tell the whole story. All right, so, so that's that's budget, and of course that's you know when you look at it compared to what it costs to make a two hour movie, it, it looks like a deal, but it's still you know, one of the most, will be one of the most expensive TV shows ever made. Right. And, and you mentioned uh, Game of Thrones. It, it took six seasons for Game of Thrones to make it to 10 million an episode. But Game of Thrones also wasn't Star Wars when it started. It wasn't. It, there's not nearly going to be, Game of Thrones doesn't have nearly as much CGI as this show's going to have. Yeah, um, true. It actually sounds like they're going to film most of it in a studio, which anything, which makes anything outside have to be done on green screen with CGI and John Favreau compared the amount of CGI in this show to what he did with jungle book, uh, which that jungle book movie is entirely except for the kid is entirely CGI. Yeah. yeah. No. And it's, it's incredible or how real it looks at all. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm super excited just to hear that they're putting the money in it to maintain a high quality production. Mm-hmm. You know, in some things I can forgive, you know, lower quality CGI, like a, a TV show like The Orville on Fox. Yeah, their CGI is not very good, no. but I can forgive it on that. 
It looks like. But I would have a real hard time with a Star Wars TV show with bad CGI. Yeah. (sighs) Well, my thing about it is that Star Wars has always been at its best using as many practical effects as possible. Yeah. So I have faith in Jon Favreau, though. So we'll, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. I'm excited. I, I'm, excited. I, I'm a big Favreau fan. I, you know, I'm I'm nothing but excited for this series right now. Now, the other news we got this week was that, it, you know, the new rumors are that this show will cover kind of the re- rebuilding of Mandalore after three years after Return of the Jedi. Hmm. So three years after Return of the Jedi marks the fall of the Empire. Uh, I think three years after is right about the time of the Battle of Jakku. How much you want to bet Sabine's there? They might. I have a hard time envisioning her being anywhere else. Yeah, but she left right after that well, to so go look for for Ezra. That, yes, because we're talking about the Ezra. time we're talking about the time frame hmm. where she's gone. I don't know. Now we, from, you know, that being said, we we may get some of the other surviving Ren clan. Mm-hmm. Um, members that she's got we, a mother and a brother yeah a father somewhere we don't know where the father is do we yeah they all lived so i mean we could easily see those characters yeah and that would be a neat um, way to tie them together but i'm, I'm excited i mandalorians wouldn't have been necessarily my first choice but i think they could do some real interesting things there it's uh in some ways it's kind of like going and saying i'm going to make a star trek show and it's going to be only about klingons <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, they're an interesting, you know, the, what we've seen of them in, in rebels and in the clone wars was all very interesting. Yeah. You know, they're in, yeah. you know, our idea of Mandalorians was always, they're this single minded warrior people. They're the, you know, they're the Spartans. And really what we saw of them in the clone wars is that they're a much more diverse people group than that. And they have really serious uh, differences of opinion about how, things should work. Daniel, what do you think about Mandalore? I'm, I'm excited for the series. The, I'm conflicted on the fact that if you tell me we're setting it three years after Return of the Jedi, you know what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to see the adventures of Luke Skywalker, but I know we won't get it. The thing about Mandalore, and I, I, sound, I don't know if I'm the only person in this camp or not, Mandalore doesn't excite me or discourage me one way or the other. Um, I, I don't know the the kind of the buzz I, on Twitter. Most people were about like I, I would say more people were had your a similar opinion to yours than were super excited about it. Yeah, no, I just I'm I guess I'm kind of indifferent to it, um, and I'm sure they're probably just trying to get far enough away from established Star Wars stuff that they can do whatever they want without contradicting anything that's happened before. Right. They don't anything have to worry. happened in the movies or the shows that we've already seen. Right. And when you they're going to hit, they're gonna hit on something different. And you get a chance to, to tell the story of this people group. Who's been very, very big throughout mm-hmm. the ancient history of Star Wars. So we've always kind of heard about them and, and people talk about Mandalorians in hushed tones, but it's, we don't do really know that much about them yet. Personally. No, but I, I think they could accomplish the same thing having a Jedi-focused show set in a different time period. Or the Mandalorian Jedi War. I'd be okay with that. Or that Mandalorian Jedi they talked about. I'd be okay with that, too. I'm okay yeah, with this. The Mandalorian Jedi that they talked about in Rebels is like 
old Republic era. Like I'd be okay with that. And, so, and I would have told them, I would have told them go read the old dark horse comic tales, the Jedi and base it on that. So I don't know. Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily my first choice, but I'm still excited about it. I feel kind of about it. Like I did about like, okay. Initially I was like, I don't want a Han Solo movie. Who cares? But once it kind of got on, I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm going to see it. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be good. That's kind of how I feel about this. Like, it's not like Mandalorian's awesomest thing ever, but like, I'm uh, going to go see it. I know. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for the series. It's just it, the Mandalorian part doesn't excite me or discourage me or the other. Right. It's the John Favreau that excites me. It's the budget that excites me. The Mandalorian part I could care less about. And of course the Mandalorian part might me might not be true at all. It might be true in part. I'm honestly hoping that it's only true in part and we get to see how mm-hmm. Mandalore is relating to the change, the galaxy changing around them. And so we get to see right. the new Republic and, and some but of I that stuff going see, on. I wanted to see us follow a Jedi of some type in some shape or form. Yeah. And if we're not, if we're basing it three years after return and we're not getting Luke, then we're not getting that at all. That's why I really thought it was going to be something set even before the prequels is what I was hoping for. Yes, I, still, I was hoping for something excited. older, but it is what it is, and I'm excited about it. All right, well, uh, let's cover one more thing real quick. It's getting uh, getting pretty late. so Your wife's about to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> All right, so I had one more question written down on the board, and it's this is a super early prediction. We may, we may all change it. I put this one on there just because of some of the craziness that went on on Twitter today where somebody who is pretty known for making really bad Star Wars predictions, or not predictions, uh, yeah. but news. Star Wars like puts these things out there as Star Wars news. This guy publishes every... He must anyway, publish something on every rumor he hears from anybody. And, you know, of course, he's decided that they've got the script just the way they want it, but it's too long and they're going to split it into two movies. Oh, no. And they're not doing that. One, it's a trilogy. They, that's intentional. Artistically, it's it's about the three parts they're not going to split that into four movies and and when movies have done that in the last few years there's been a number that have done that and gotten greedy and Uh it has been a mess every time they've done it not going well hobbit so the question that i wanted to throw out there to everybody is for our last thing tonight is we know there's a lot of story to tell in this next movie in episode nine we've got a lot of characters we've got a lot of things to wrap up to send us into whatever's next. So just a very early prediction. What is your prediction for a runtime on this movie? Two hours and 15 minutes. Two is, yeah, two and a half plus or minus 15 minutes either way. Two and a half seems about the right amount of time for a movie like this. That has sort of been the sweet spot. It seems like a lot of studios are starting to hit about two and a half. You remember when movies were 90 minutes long, like all of them? Yeah, I'm always shocked when I watch any of my old 80s movies mm-hmm. and they're only like an hour and, you know, you know an hour and 30 yep. minutes, hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, because uh, I needed 45 more minutes of Goonies dead coming. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all, what did you say, Marisha? Two hours and 15 minutes. And Daniel, you said two and a half, give or take. Two and a half, give or take about 15 minutes either way. 
All right. Well, I'm going to more or less agree with you then because of your give or take, but I'm going to say two hours and 45 minutes. I think that it's going any longer than that. People have to use the bathroom. It's true. Have you bought a Coke at a movie theater lately? They're huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they cost $17. I'm going to go two hours and 45 minutes. And I think that's probably in the neighborhood. And I, I will say, I won't be shocked if this movie ends up going three hours. It's a really long time. I don't I think it'll cross the three theater. hour mark. But no, no. three hours, I need an intermission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a la Ben Hur. I'm sure that would go over great. But I, I do think that it will be the longest of the Star Wars movies when it's all said and done, just because of the amount of stuff they've got to wrap up. But again, though, it's, it's the same thing as everything. If it's done well, to be worth it. I'm not that worried about it. I'm excited about it's this not movie. Like, it's not like we all haven't sat down and watched like 16 hours of Star Wars in one day. No, and when they... Y'all and when they sit here and tell it, me y'all have not watched episodes one through six in one sitting. I did when I was making Star Wars <laughs> costumes. I also... Will not am not ashamed to say that when they drop this uh this series on the streaming service, I'm gonna watch it all in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> you think they'll drop it all at one time, or you think it'll come out weekly installments? I, I think they'll drop it all at one time. That that seems to be the that seems to be the current model. Well, yeah, but I mean, a couple of the streaming services do drop like Amazon. Just a couple episodes at head, a time. That's true. Time. So yes, we'll have to see. I, I'm. I'm kind of hoping they drop it all at once, but they may spread it I out. I think they will because I think they want people to sit down and binge watch it. Yeah. They want lots of people on Instagram going, all right, I got my Coke and my chips. I'm watching Star Wars for the next 12 hours. Mm-hmm. That's what they're after. And then to rave about it the next day so they get more mm-hmm. subscriptions. Yep. yep. They, they need the word of mouth. All right, guys. Well, that's all we've got for tonight. Yeah, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, Marisha, where people can find you on the internet? I am Princesses and Padawans on Instagram. And I'm also princessandpadawans.com. And Andrew? All right, you can find me at darklighter580 on Twitter. Or you can now find me at the Science Fictionary on Instagram. If you go there tonight, there won't be anything, but... Labor Day weekend, we're coming up on Dragon Con and expect to see a lot of live content coming from that Instagram page. All right, and I am Daniel Peoples at Dan C. Peeps on Twitter. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter at Sci underscore Fictionary and visit the sciencefictionary.com. And remember, until next time, I've got a bad feeling about this. And may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.